0: I'm John Werner. I get to bring the message on a life of service. My wife, Barbara, and I have been here since January 1998. We are part of the Spiritual Lead Team. I'm a professor of management at UWW. And uh, yes, I was a couple years ago ordained as a lay pastor through Crosspoint Community Church. This is a, a message that is on my heart, not just in as a general matter, but a matter for right now. We talk about the scripture as the logos, the entire word of God, but the Bible itself describes it as rhema, as a word for now. And my prayer, I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you, but that you will hear at least one or more verses that is for you right now. Uh, As we talk about a life of service, how are we doing in this? I don't know what you're going through My personal upheaval is 11 days ago, I got my first ever CPAP machine, so I'm sounding like Darth Vader. (laughs) So far, it's not going so well, but we're getting there. So again, I've got that. And then, of course, we have the stress of COVID, Uh, friends, students coming down with uh, the virus, And then, of course, all the stress that we've gone through uh, with the election. And I don't know where you are, whether you're on one side or the other of this, but it's been a stressful week for all of us. So let's dig in, and what does God say for us? This series is called Come and Go. Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for men. And then he also said, Go and make disciples of all nations. So we are to come to him to experience life in Jesus. And then, as his disciples, we are to go and make disciples of all nations. We're going to hear more from the Outstretched Hands team next week on that piece of it. We're going to talk about a life of service. How does a disciple of Jesus serve? I think it's amazing, absolutely incredible, as we talk about this, that God served us. God, the King of the universe, Hebrew prayers often begin with Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. King of the universe. That's who we worship. That's who we've just wor- finished worshiping. Psalm 97. For you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exart- exalted far above all gods. Psalm 24. Who is he, this King of glory, the Lord Almighty? He is the King of glory that's who we worship. Paul wrote like this in 1 Timothy 6, God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. And then Paul also wrote, speaking about Jesus in Ephesians 1, God placed all things under Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we worship and we serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We don't live for ourselves. We live for the King. So think about that. God, the King of Kings, has first served us. He's not first demanding our service. He first served us. This is so incredibly portrayed in the life of Jesus. I want to start back in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was written some 700 years before Jesus was on earth. Some 17 chapters out of the 66 have some prophetic reference to the Messiah. I'm going to give you three. First in Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Isaiah often speaks of God's servant so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. No God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I even I am the Lord. Apart from me, there is no savior. As believers, we say that there is no savior other than Jesus. And then in Isaiah 52, see, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. And then immediately next, uh, in the next chapter, if you have not already, I encourage you to look at Isaiah 52 and 53, some of the most incredible scripture prophesying Jesus as our Messiah. Here are three verses. Surely he, the Messiah, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us has turned to to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. There's the gospel in Isaiah. We deserved punishment for our sin, and yet Jesus took it all on him through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, we have healing, we have salvation. It's an incredible picture that Isaiah saw. This is called the suffering servant. Jesus took the penalty and punishment that we deserved for our sins. It was laid on him. This is the servant, the Messiah, Jesus, that we're called to have relationship with. The Apostle John said it in familiar words in John 3. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God's unconditional love offered to us through his son, through the sacrificial service that Jesus did for every one of us. He laid down his own life for us to bring salvation as a free gift, not something we have to earn, not something we have to work for. What's so incredible is that the people of Jesus' day were looking for a Messiah who would be like a human king, an earthly king, and he didn't come in that way, did he? He came as a servant. Peter picks this up in Acts chapter 3. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he, Pilate, had decided to let him go. So as followers of Jesus, we must learn how to serve. This doesn't come naturally to most of us, right? This is something we have to learn. It's something we have to practice. We have to choose. I had an experience yesterday where I chose a role on campus of serving and then I got treated that way and I was really grumpy. What? (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm speaking on that tomorrow. I better practice what I preach. Okay, I better put this into practice. I don't mind serving. I don't like being treated like a servant. There you go, I'm just being real here. We have to learn how to serve. One of the most amazing scriptures in all Uh, The Bible in this regard is from Paul in Philippians chapter 2. Notice what he says In your relationships with one another, do you see how he starts this? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, Jesus is part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's our Savior. He humbled himself. He served us by taking death in our place. Notice the starting. We are to have the same mindset as Jesus. We are called to serve. If we call ourselves followers, we are called to serve. Serve God and serve others. Let's look at what this means in more detail. Jesus had a lot to say about this. You probably are familiar with some of these next verses. Matthew 20. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Let that sink in in this moment. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. That's our gospel. That's our Jesus. Jesus. He served us in that way. In Mark 9, he's walking with his disciples. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, "What were you arguing about on the road?" But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. It's so real, isn't it? It's just so, they're with Jesus and they're arguing about who of them would be the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me, God the Father. There are at least three, but there's three words I want to highlight for us today. A disciple of Jesus should be characterized by humility, by sacrifice, and by submission. Humility, sacrifice, and submission. When I teach my management courses, I often bring up a subject that's very popular today in the secular business literature. It's called servant leadership. You've probably heard this term. Of course, it's coming directly from Jesus, from the verses that I just read. But it was popularized in the business literature by a man named Robert Greenleaf. He was a management researcher for AT&T before the Bell system split up. He wrote an essay in 1970, 50 years ago. I just want to read two paragraphs. The servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead That person is sharply different from one who is leader first, perhaps because of the need to assuage an unusual power drive or to acquire material possessions. The leader first and the servant first are two extreme types. Between them are shadings and blends that are part of the infinite variety of human nature. The difference manifests itself in the care taken by the servant first to make sure that other people's highest priority needs are being served the best test and difficult to administer is do those served grow as persons do they while being served become healthier wiser freer more autonomous more likely themselves to become servants and what is the effect of the least and what is the effect on the least privileged in society will they benefit or at least not be further deprived robert greenleaf center for servant leadership now especially in the church for us as the body of christ this should be our goal, every one of us, to be servants and to be servant leaders, choosing to put the needs of others before our own. I have a study Bible at home. It's a New King James, and uh, it's got a lot of notes on it. Uh, I find it interesting that in the New King James, it uses the word bond servant. And that term specifically means someone who is voluntarily chosen to be a servant emphasizes that. These are the books of the New Testament where people are called bondservants. Paul, more than once. Timothy, James, Peter, and Jude. That's pretty good company, isn't it? I hope you would want to be in that company of bondservants. When we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we are voluntarily committing ourselves to service. It's not forced on us. It's our choice. Look at how Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians 4. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. What does it mean when we say Jesus Christ is Lord? It means we've given him authority over our lives. We're saying, yes, Jesus, what you say goes. That's what it means to call him Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, that's from Genesis 1, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's an awesome promise. That's what we're proclaiming. That's the hope that we have in these crazy times. But we are to present ourselves, what? As servants for Jesus' sake. So what would this look like? if we, as Jesus' disciples, lived as servants. How do we put our serving into action? I have five basic points that I'd like to present to you today. First one, we need individually to go to God first. Not to media, not to other people. We need to go to God first. I love the story of Samuel, the first great prophet of the Old Testament, when he was a boy, he was sent to serve uh, a, an elder priest and he was hearing a voice calling him and he thinks he thought it was the priest, Eli. And finally, Eli says, no, you, you, it's, it's God calling you. So in 1 Samuel 3, it says, the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. I hope that resonates with every one of us today. Speak, for your servant is listening. When God speaks, we need to be listening. God speaks today. He uses his word today. That's the idea of a Rhema word. But we need to be ones that have that attitude. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You heard Pastor Joe last week talk about hope and that hope is based on Jesus and it's based on God's word. That's what I want to present. We need to have that same attitude. That's where our hope comes from. Now, of course, it's not enough to just listen, is it? We have to do what he says. That's my second point. Very obvious. Do what God tells you to do. One of my... Least favorite verses, because I have a hard time with it, is Luke six forty six, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Ouch. Guilty. Some of you know that I came to faith in Christ in college. I was very blessed to be in a study of the Gospel of John, and then to hear the Gospel presented in a way that I got it, that it was for me, that Jesus died for my sin. And over the course of the next couple of years, I said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord, but I kept living in ways that didn't honor him. And one of those was with a relationship with a high school girlfriend. I knew that it wasn't what God intended, but I wasn't willing to break it off either. A speaker came and said, many times with things in our life, it's like we offer it up, but we keep taking it back. Here you are, God. Oh, no, maybe not. No. So the picture was, are we willing to say with everything, especially those hard things, here you go, God. Oops. I can't take it back. I made that decision. The humorous part of the story is that we then agreed that we could date other people. We still weren't officially split up. Within a few months, one of my best friends, also a J-O-N, Came in, started dating, and within six months they were engaged and got married. Okay, God, I think I get the picture here. <laughs> I was not fully willing to obey, but God, when I offered it up in that way, said, okay, that one's not best. And that was the year I met my now wife, Barbara. woo We have to do what he says, even when it hurts. Our third point be humble. Be humble. Look at this in Ephesians 2, chapter 4. Be completely humble and gentle, Paul says. Not just be humble, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It's an amazing verse. If we're honest, we don't live up to this as individuals or as a body. And we see this all around us. But this is what God calls us to. And see where it starts? Humility and gentleness. Humility is willing to let others get the notice or recognition to rejoice when others have success or get promoted before me. Peter, the rash, bold one that Jesus molded, has an amazing statement in 1 Peter 5. In the same way, you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We love that last part of the verse, but are we willing to look at what comes before it? God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Let's choose humility. As we humble ourselves before God, then it's easier to be humble with other people. Fourth, walk in mutual submission. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is at the start of his passage, talking about husbands and wives. But I think this is the principle for all of us in life. The larger biblical principle is that our attitude should be as much as possible to submit to each other Why? Out of reverence for Christ. We do it because of our relationship with Jesus. If my goal is to serve you because of my relationship with Jesus, then it won't matter how you respond. I don't have to get torqued off when you don't respond the way I want you to do. It doesn't matter. I can love you, whether you see things the way I do about political issues, about mask issues, about social distancing, any of this, it doesn't matter. I can love you, and you should love me. This leads to my last point. Find joy in serving others. Philippians 2.17, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. This was a one-time sacrifice. The drink offering was done just to honor God, just as a blessing to God. And Paul was saying he was willing to give up his life in that way. If it built up the Philippians, he rejoiced in that. This is what a disciple of Jesus' as servant looks like. I find a lot of encouragement and comfort in the Psalms. Barb and I try to read them every day. Uh, psalm 100 is really interesting and in, in a beautiful worship psalm. Verse 2, in the NIV it says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. I thought it was interesting when I read my King James that it then said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Worship, serve, aren't those different? Well, the study note says the word is avad, A-B-A-D, but avad. It means to work for, serve, do labor for someone, to be a servant, to worship. It means both. So we are to worship God and serve him. Worship and serve. The best example of that servant of the Lord, my study Bible says Isaiah, and those are the passages I just read to you. Jesus is our perfect example of a servant of the Lord. If we're serious about being his disciples, this must include, must include, a willingness not just to serve God, but to serve others. We're a little late to the show, but we've just finished watching season one of The Chosen. I don't know if you've watched that. It's beautiful. And the last session, there's just this very poignant thing where through several previous episodes, we hear Peter's mother-in-law coughing in the background, and he's all embarrassed about her sickness. And Jesus goes in and touches her and heals her, and immediately she gets up and wants to make a meal for them. Well, that's what it says, Matthew 8. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother in law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. Now that's funny, but it's beautiful, isn't it? She was served and she served. That's a tagline for today. Served to serve. Look at what Peter writes in 1 Peter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And I just have to stop right there. If you are a believer in Jesus, God has given you at least one spiritual gift. But it's not for you. It's to use it what? To serve others, to serve the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So in God's eyes, it doesn't matter if you're up front, if you're on the worship team, or if you're serving. Thank you for all of you who are now working with our youth. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for your service behind the scenes, however you're doing that. It doesn't matter in God's eyes what does matter is that we're doing it for the king. We're doing it to serve him. It comes down to our relationship with Jesus. There's a promise that I want to give to you. 1 Timothy 3, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, there's things like CPAP machines that I don't exactly appreciate about this point in my life, but one thing I can tell you having passed the, the 60 marker, that I have seen this lived out, both in my own life and the life of others, that there is a blessing for serving well. It is worth it. God blesses. Maybe not immediately, but God does uh, bring blessing to those who serve. In Luke 19, thank you. You want to come up? Luke 19 is the story of the master who goes away and leaves a, a fair sum of money. that calls it 10 minas to his servants. There's three that are mentioned. Two do well and one doesn't. What was the statement that was made to the first faithful servant? Well done, my good servant. You've been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of 10 cities. Through Jesus, Through our Savior, we've been given the free gift of salvation. We've received spiritual gifts as well. Will we say, God, I am your servant? Will we make Jesus the Lord of all areas of our lives? I want to close with the poignant story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples in John 13. You probably know it. At first... They don't think he should, and then they do. And then at the end, this is what he has to say to them. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Our call today, served to serve. I asked if April would come up at this time to play behind us because this is a very poignant moment for us. When we went to Romania in 2017, and Pastor Kevin was a part of that team, I had it in my heart that there was a village in the western part of the county that I wanted to do a foot washing. And Pastor Brad set that up. And I washed the feet of the men, and then April washed the feet of the women. And then the pastor's daughter, Mirela, in the picture that you see, just spontaneously wanted to wash April's feet. was one of the most moving experiences of my life, to be a part of that. It's so humbling. And yet that's the picture. That's what Jesus calls us to. If we call him Lord, we are called to serve others in that way. We are to have that same mindset that Jesus had in Philippians 2. I have two declarations on the screen. And if you would, would you repeat these, say these out loud with me as I read them? All right, let's read these together. Because of Jesus, the suffering servant, I can serve others as his disciple. Because of what Jesus did for me as the suffering servant, I will serve others with joy. Now, none of us will ever serve like Jesus did but that should be our goal. That's what we should be aiming for. If you're able, would you stand with me now for prayer? Jesus, what are you calling us to? For someone, it may be salvation, just saying yes to you as Savior. Thank you for saving us from our sins. For others, it may be saying, Lord, in a way that perhaps we've never said before. We want you to be in control. We want you to have every area of our life. We offer it up freely and without pulling back. Lord, for all of us, I pray that it would be that if we are your followers, we would say yes to serving as you call us to. Lord, I pray for every person, both in service today and watching online that you would be ministering to us, calling to us, saying, I love you, I have called you, and that our response would be, speak, for your servant is listening. Lord, we love you, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.